Welcome to Urban Homestead Radio, preserving a homegrown way of life and inspiring others to bring the revolution home. Thanks to the support of our sponsor, Lehman's. For over 60 years, they've provided practical, non-electrical tools, appliances, and home goods. When technology fails, the products will certainly work. Check out their website at lehmans.com. That's L-E-H-M-A-N-S.com. Today we have the pleasure of having once again Lee Adams on our podcast. Hi Lee, thank you again so much for joining us. Um, for those who aren't familiar with Lee's work um, and who don't live in Pasadena or Altadena area, tell us, um, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what you do. It's hard to know where to start. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm old, so I have done and been a You're lot wise. of things. So, so I'm very, <laughs> I am so wise. <laughs> Um, my work has always been about education, mm-hmm. art, and the older I get, the more I recognize um, my passion for nature and for community has always been there. Mm-hmm. But it's acknowledging it that makes it grow and uh, expand in you know, the flag I wave. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, um, I think I remember a couple years ago reading about you um, in the in the newspaper because you were harvesting water uh, you're trying to take all the water that fell on your property or, or property and surrounding properties and keep it on your property so that's how I became aware then of course uh, you know bumped into you you know throughout the, the the community but the most I think the well, you have done many impressive things but the Crescent Farm I think stands out as a I think your crowning achievement of kind of taking uh, the the LA Arboretum into a, an amazing new direction of what gardens should look like. Tell us a little more about that. Oh, thank you. Uh, I have chills because mm-hmm. I think that may uh, be the most significant thing in affecting the greatest number of people mm-hmm. is at the Crescent Farm in the Arboretum I've taken an 80 year old lawn the Arboretum removed it and then an amazing team of volunteers and employees of the Arboretum helped to transform that into seven-eighths of an acre of extremely low water use, high biodiversity, and dynamic interaction with the public. A, a, a garden that demonstrates many different principles of optimizing our use of water mm-hmm. and of learning how to reuse materials, how to, instead of hauling things off to the dump, to use fallen logs and biomass from the garden to create new soil and to actually harvest water from thin air. Mm-hmm. And every time I go there, it's, it's just like amazing. And then of course, being around you, it's just like I learn so much every time I go there. Um, and what I found that was like, most touching to me was besides, you know, the that you know you don't water it there's no irrigation and it's it's it goes through all the hot summers and 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 the trees are amazing and everything that's growing is is abundant is that um i like it when somebody like uh how you describe it that that there were doubters and and i can yeah what are you doing with these old logs what are you doing with this and this is not you know the garden that you, you know that we want the public to see and then now 
it's it's gorgeous it's you know instagrammable and now it's <laughs> and it's like and it shows that you know you have to go through i guess maybe you know not, not um, pushback or, or naysayers and and stuff like that and and you have to go through that because in the end when it comes out and then they see it that's when they believe it but of course it's not going to look good overnight they have to go through the the journey with you and then come out on the other end um that's what i like i mean i don't know i just i know i just feel like it resonates with you know people who are you know making change that anybody who's a change maker or you know in in this you know in this community or in the world go through similar things tell us a little bit more about that uh, I will. First, I want to address, we do water parts of it, a little but, more, okay. but very low. It uses 97% less mm -hmm. water than it did as a lawn, mm -hmm. and it produces masses of food mm -hmm. and habitat mm -hmm. for native creatures, mm -hmm. as well as a demonstration and education for everyone. That concept of going ahead even when people are naysayers mm -hmm. is it that's because I think our society emphasizes products over processes and in the classroom we're trying to have everybody get the same answer at the same time uh, you haven't finished yet mm -hmm. or hurry up everyone else is finished so we want everyone to do things the same way and at the same time and that's an old model from the industrial revolution mm -hmm. that's the same answers to the same questions is no longer a model that we should be driven by. So we need to look at processes, the building up of that garden, the gawky adolescent stage of things not being filled in or lush, but immediately that the biosphere around it, the, the life forms, mm -hmm. more birds, more butterflies, more uh, pollinators of all kinds, mm -hmm. more people visiting, more volunteers coming and joining in, more people learning, and more kids sharing with their parents. Mm -hmm. That um, dynamic is one that's incredible. It's really exciting. We've created a community around learning in that garden. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that gives me mm, goosebumps <laughs> yeah. because it's a wonderful, juicy, rich community that has gone out, mm -hmm. worked on their own homes, taught other people. Then we have their friends come in and say they say you're putting cardboard in the ground and that it's building soil. Yes, that is what we're doing and we're using green waste and we call it lasagna mulching because we layer it. Mm -hmm. And no, I didn't invent it. No, it's an old technique and I just am fortunate to have a group of people who will do that with me, um, a director of the Arboretum that will support us doing that and teaching people, and then a massive part of the public coming in and watching that garden transform before their eyes and realizing they can do it and they go home and do it. And we have lovely stories of people transforming, taking out their lawns, putting in habitat gardens, and then having people start coming and visiting them so that even after they've lived there 20 years and don't know their neighbors, they take out their lawn, they put in a habitat garden, they have butterflies, bees, birds, and friends in that neighborhood for the first time. 
Yeah, I like that point. It's um, redefining landscaping because the landscaping of like normal is, you know, the, you see the extreme makeover. It's the, I don't know if it's sterile, whatever, the typical ornamental shrubs, your green grass, your, your little bit of roses. But when, you know, people like yourself and other the landscapers that are really, you know, doing the, the natives and the transforming of no, there's the, like the normal look of a garden and no and this it's not maybe necessarily should look like this in california and and why should you have to buy you know stuff to make it pretty you know and bring in you know spending money and here you can do it with natural and then and so it's like it's reteaching and showing by by them you know by seeing because you know you see in landscape books or in in, in you know gardening um in gardening books or magazines it's like the same template and where you're sort of breaking the template and say no look at it in a different way um and that's what i find that in more and more people because they're seeing that and that and now even um the, the you told me the city of pasadena is starting to pay attention on some things tell us a little bit more of that yes um my landscaping partner sean mistretti uh who is a landscape architect and has uh Sean Mistretti Garden Architecture. And he and I have been working together for about a year and a half, and he has formalized my processes and added that touch that makes people who are more linear thinkers or, or product thinkers uh, find it acceptable. But the two of us enjoy working together. I think what you're describing is those gardens, those finished gardens, they literally put up a curtain, install a garden and open the curtain. Ta-da! Mm -hmm. That's a product garden. Mm -hmm. A process garden is where there is no curtain. Mm -hmm. And you see that the most important thing, the soil, is being built. And when you're feeding the soil, then the plants will grow. Exactly. And natives, as we well, I know from mm -hmm. learning from you, take a little longer to dis establish uh, maybe a couple years before they take take that you know they're they're in full bloom per right. se is that is that correct what yeah I'm we saying? like yeah. to say uh, first they sleep first year they sleep second year they creep and third year they leap there you go mm -hmm. and what's wonderful about growing natives along with your food crops is that you increase the pollinators so in my orchard I have fruit trees and they're surrounded by ceanothus. So instead of adding ammonia to the soil to give uh, the trees nitrogen, other trees are harvesting nitrogen out of thin air and making it available to my trees. Mm -hmm. And uh, that those processes are incredibly valuable and sharing them is incredibly valuable. Then what the natives do is more than that. They blossom before the fruit trees do, bring in all the pollinators, and then the fruit trees blossom, and the pollinators are already there. So we're guaranteed large crops mm -hmm. of fruit if there's a decent mm -hmm. water year. Yeah, and, and your yard is beautiful. We were lucky enough to to uh, go through your garden, and, and like I said, the lushness, and you could feel like I think I was walking on your soil, and it was just like spongy, and it was just like wow this is amazing you know so um and you know it's like everything was like lush and 
no grounds, uh, you know, no open space because mm -hmm. everything was, you know, thing. And it just was, it was, it was stunning. So, yeah. It, uh, sometimes it's really hard to leave there in oh, the morning. I, uh, I get you. <laughs> yeah. I get you. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I get you. And um, my gardening techniques are different when I have uh, my sage becomes too lush. I don't prune it back. I bend it and stick it underneath itself and it sprouts up again and mm -hmm. re returns to the soil. Yeah. I have um, PVC six inch uh, septic lines uh, cut into four to six foot lengths and they're buried around the bottom of my fruit trees and uh, that's where I put my compost inside of those and then put a flower pot in the top so that that food including the oranges, uh, lemons from those trees, is going right back into the soil because they produce so abundantly, there's no way to eat it all. Mm -hmm. And I take a lot of it with me to Skid Row yeah. and, and to communities in need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're doing amazing things. I um, There's two, uh, th uh, I guess, hot or I guess hot words these days. The Hugo Mounds and and bioswells. Could you tell us what those are for people who don't Ooh. understand what those are? Yes, because that, that's two of the features in the Crescent Farm mm -hmm. and in my backyard. So a hugel or hugel culture is a German word meaning hill culture or mound culture. And there's nothing new about it. When, it. when a tree falls down in the forest, it may fall on top of another tree. And then you have a pile of trees where the new growth is, is not in the empty space those trees left, but it's in the crossing of those two trunks down on the ground or where the branches are hitting the ground. And that is a natural way of harvesting water. So the biomass of those two tree trunks, all those branches, is denser than air. And that density keeps that wood cooler than air temperature. So at night when the air temperature, uh, when moist air is, the air is moister, the cooler temperature of those logs forces moisture to condense out of the air. And we see that when we have a cold glass of lemonade and water forms on the outside. Or we see that when we take a hot shower and steam forms on the densest surfaces in the room, the mirror, the window, it's also forming on the porcelain, but because it's not transparent, we can't see it. So exploiting that natural phenomenon of uh, temperature differential forcing moisture out of the atmosphere, we can build a hugel or a mound of logs, and that mound of logs is oriented towards your incoming night breeze. So we always want ours to be we're fortunate here. Ours can go to the south or to the west, and we are capturing night air. Mm -hmm. So when that air comes in, those logs force the moisture to condense out of it, just like on your cold lemonade. But wood has the amazing power of capillary action. It will draw moisture into the logs, actually pull it into the logs. And that's one of the main problems with using wood in our homes is if the eaves are exposed, they draw in wood and they rot. So that capillary action takes place whether the, the tree is lying on the ground or used in lumber. 
What we don't want to do is use logs in an upright position, um, like for seating, mm -hmm. because they're pulling water out of the ground and evaporating it into the air. At least in our climate, mm -hmm. we don't want to do that. In some places, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we build a hugel, we use whatever biomass we have, branches from trees, uh, trimmings from lawns, uh, green waste from the garden. It doesn't matter what it is. We can layer it into a, uh, a construct called a hugel. Mm -hmm. And those hugels last for approximately 20 years. A man named Sepp Holzer, an Austrian man, has done a lot of work with them around the world and has codified a lot of the information. I came mm -hmm. by it by accident, by doing it, seeing the results, and then reverse engineering. How did this happen? Why is my land green and lush and everyone else around me has dried up Mojave Desert land? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and they're and they're beautiful. I helped you build one at New Horizon School, mm -hmm. and that's amazing. And it's <laughs> going like growing like crazy. Yeah. So then now it's like uh, another thing is uh, bioswales. Bio A lot swales. of people are doing, you know, and it's like the talk. Even now, the city of Pasadena has reached out to you, which is amazing to tell teach them about these bioswales. So t what is a bioswale? A bioswale. Well, let's go to what a swale is. Okay. The definition of a swale is a canal that carries water from one place to another. Um, it doesn't have a designated terminus. It, it, moves, it moves water. Um, so we can harvest water from a downspout, for example, uh, when, when it rains. You can catch the water off your roof and you can move it as it comes down the downspout, you can direct that towards a swale and carry that water in the direction you'd like it to go. The problem with our cities is that their definitions of a swale only have to do with concrete, steel, and gravel. They're not bioswales. They're simply water moving systems. We want to put water back in the earth. We want to replenish our ecosystem and our watershed. What we have to. Um, but most of our water runs off because of our hardscape. So that's um, why we're emphasizing the bioswale movement. Mm -hmm. And there's a wonderful organization in Pasadena called Beautiful Bioswales, and they do a lot of advocacy. Um, a bioswale is a swale. It does move water from one place to another, but it does so with plants involved. In, in water harvesting, you want to slow it down, you want to spread it out, and you want to infiltrate it. So a swale may be pulling water in off the road or, or a roof or wherever you can catch it. Then you want to slow down its movement so that it goes back into the ground. And if you can cleanse it along the way, which you can do in a bioswale, mm -hmm. the native plants will pull toxins out of the water. Mm -hmm. So part of the work uh, that Nancy Clem has done as a bioremediator uh, that Metabolic Studio is doing on Bending the River Project, mm -hmm. Lauren Bond's mm -hmm. genius project. And you're involved in that? So. I'm involved yeah. in that. I love that. It's so yeah. exciting. And for people who don't know, you have to check it out. You can come to Metabolic on Thursdays yes. on their potluck and check their 
what they're doing. They have the mounds and they have uh, water catchments and they have sort of a, almost not a cornfield back again. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Farm Lab is back, I think. So yes. that's great. I'm, yeah. I'm part of Farm Lab, so go. I know it's yeah, back. We go. have new purple walls yeah, okay. to prove it. There you go, cool. Um, so, yeah. So. Yes, you can Google our, yeah. or put in a search engine, mm -hmm. um, metabolicstudio.org, mm -hmm. and read about bending the river back into the city, which is an incredibly important project, and which has proven that four tanks uh, uh, constructed wetlands using native plants can take highly polluted water and cleanse it. So the water coming off your roof or down your driveway doesn't have to have that level of bioremediation. But knowing that it's possible, it's really exciting. Yeah. It pushes us to try more. Yeah, and I'm excited about the future of what bioswales with the city of Pasadena that may be allowing us to curb cut our parkways yes. uh, to capture that water that's coming down. Yes. So that's gonna be yes. you know, uh, exciting. So really I can't wait to hear what exciting. happens on that. So yeah, you got a lot of exciting things. Anything else that you're working on that? Uh, uh, yes, we've just finished an installation at New Horizon School mm -hmm. in Pasadena. Um, 42 mosaics constructed out of pieces of mosaic that many children in the school did, that many parents did, and that mosaic artists across the country contributed to. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Wow. It, yeah. it can't wait to go see so it. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so uh, gorgeous. It makes me cry. It, mm -hmm. It's that beautiful. Mm -hmm. You've done a really, I mean, like I said, if you can see New Horizon too, but there's a lot of places to see your work, and, and New yeah. Horizon, I think the mosaics there are stunning. I think it's, it's gorgeous. So I want to talk a little bit, we have a little bit of time. I was fascinated when I uh, visited the Crescent Farm and you were showing me the cardboard, and when you lifted it up, the mycorrhizae, that was just, tell us a little <laughs> bit more about the, the cardboard and mycorrhizae, how yes. they sort of, they have a little, deal going on with uh, the sugars and stuff. It was Paul Stamets who uh -huh. taught me about that uh -huh. about 10 years ago. Um, I was working with Caitlin Bergman to create the permosphere at the Arboretum. And Caitlin said, well, we'll do a lasagna mulching workshop. And I looked at her and said, I'm not familiar with that. What is it? And she said, oh, we take green waste and put that down, and we put cardboard on top of it, good cardboard, not cardboard with colored inks, mm -hmm. overlap it so there's no light getting through. And she pointed her finger mm -hmm. like, like a teacher saying, none at all. And that really is the key, that mm -hmm. no light at all. So you put down green waste, if whatever you have around that you can turn into soil that will rot, I have used old afghans made of wool. Mm -hmm. I have used um, clothing, worn out clothing. I've put that in, into my lasagna mulching. And as long as it's all cotton, I have no problem with it. Um, I'm not growing food in that area. Mm -hmm. If I were growing food, I would be cautious mm -hmm. about the dyes. Mm -hmm. But in most cases, I'm taking out lawns and creating uh, habitat gardens. So. The, those waste materials can go down on the soil or a grass lawn and block out light. Then layering green waste and cardboard, making sure no light gets through, then that gets covered over with mulch. And I like six to eight inches of mulch to cover it over. 
but that all gets watered in. Uh, you block out light to the lawn, and amazingly, the mycorrhizae come in. I mean, they're huge. They're huge. I've There's never seen such big ones in my life. I well, was like, the well. reason is why? Why, if there's wood chips there, mm -hmm. which is their natural food, mm -hmm. why do they like the cardboard? But it's the same reason that children eat sugary breakfast cereal. Mm -hmm. Somebody chewed it up for them already, mm -hmm. processed it, and then to an, a microorganism. Uh, th this fungi in particular, there's glue in it, and they process the glue as a sugar. Mm -hmm. So we just gave them sugary Treats breakfast and cereal. And like, so happy. And it has an organized system. Fungi is organized. So there's its organized system all set up. There's air. It's ideal conditions. And yes, they grow, and they're beautiful. And it's just cardboard. And so anybody can do that. So anybody can do that. Exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. So we have a couple minutes. So. Why is it important to, for um, people to regenerate the watershed? Why, I mean, like, we're hearing, you know, you know, the gloom and doom and, and uh, we, we're outside, so we'll call your pets, okay. Um, you know, the doom and gloom and, and, you know, things are not, what, you know, tell us why is it so important now, more than ever? More than ever. Number one, most important thing is biodiversity. Number two most important thing is water, and number three is sequestering carbon. So uh, we've talked a little bit about the native plants for biodiversity. Uh, water, we have polluted our water. Uh, virtually every body of water in the United States has glyphosate in it, not to mention Giardia. We, uh, we have microplastics in the ocean. Our fish are have microplastics plastics in all parts of their bodies. We have to do a better job of taking care of water. It seemed like an endless resource, but there are more than six billion of us on the planet using that water. And all the water that was ever here is all the water we ever get. And the more that we get it dirty and fail to clean it and fail to return it to the watershed in a healthy sh shape, the worse off we are. Yeah. And if, um, as we come to the end of the podcast, like I said, we're gonna have to have you on again because, like I said, learn so much from you every time. Um, final words, like what is uh, what's going through your head right now? What what are your thoughts and like what's 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 touching you? What's what's moving you right now? What's any final words you'd like to share? A regeneration. That when I was a teenager, all of this was predicted, and we didn't do anything about it. We didn't know what to do. Now we do know what to do, and yet people are paralyzed because it's so overwhelming. We still need to conserve water, optimize our use of water in every way, um, reduce the amount of plastics in our lives, especially single-use plastics. Each time you go to the market, choose the food that does not have plastic around it. Take your own bags with you and talk to the store managers. Every time I go to our local Trader Joe's, I say, hey, there is too much plastic in this store. And I recently went up to congratulate them on the reduction of mm -hmm. plastic. And when they saw me coming, they said, we know, we know, there's too much plastic. And I said, no, I came to congratulate you on reducing the amount of plastic you're using. 
but there's room for improvement. Keep up the good work. And the woman behind the desk turned to the other, the manager and assistant, and said, did you hear that? <laughs> he said, yes, and they, they both waved to me as I left. It, we can do it, but we have, being it inactive doesn't, we have to do things in order to make a difference. Mm -hmm. So do it. Do it. Small steps have big impact. Yep. So thank you again for coming in here today and, and sharing that. Where can people find more about you and what you're, what's going coming up that they can learn about? Like, what's Lee doing now? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the, the easiest way now is Facebook, okay. just because that's the easiest mm -hmm. way to put it up. I haven't updated my website mm -hmm. probably in... 10 years. Yeah. But they can find you at the Crescent Farm can, on Tuesdays? Yes. Right? Uh, at the LA Arboretum? And the Crescent Farm is also on Facebook, mm -hmm. and you can watch. Uh, next, we are going to have a cob workshop there. Mm -hmm. And that'll I'm be fun. Very excited yeah. about and that. And then, if not at the Crescent, Metabolic may be on Thursdays yes. at yes. the Potluck. So just get up and do something. You'll be glad yeah, you did. Yeah, you'll probably bump into you someplace. <laughs> so, all right. So, thank you again so much. It was a pleasure uh, talking with you. and. Um, thank you for all that you're doing in the community. Um, I know it's been a long journey for you, and it's finally you're kind of seeing. I, you know, you got the light in your eyes. You got yeah. you got the passion to keep going because it's people are starting to pay attention, and I'm so happy they are. So they're doing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. We love to hear your feedback or questions. Visit us at urbanhomestead.org to check out what's happening on the homestead. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And until next time, keep on growing.